Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. Father, we thank you uh, for all that you do and how you are working in this world. And uh, Lord, it is complex because you are complex. And so, Father, I pray that as we once again uh, study your word, as we look at an important teaching of what it looks like to be a citizen in this world, I pray uh, that your spirit would guide and lead us. And I pray, Lord, that we would see you more fully. May we see how you are working, and may we live uh, and look and love more like you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Uh, about three years ago, uh, I had the incredible honor of going to India. Uh, and this is a picture of our Sunday morning worship uh, about literally close to three three years ago, and I was invited uh, from one of my professors at grad school, uh, along with a couple other students, to take this 18-hour flight, yes, 18 hours, to Delhi, India, and Bangalore. And the reason that we went there uh, was because they brought in all of these uh, Christian church leaders in that region and area, and they wanted us as Americans, to come and offer a little teaching and uh, around church leadership and planting churches and all sorts of stuff. The irony was I had never planted a church. I was in the process of doing that, but I was incredibly honored to be asked to come over and, uh, and do so. And, and when I went to India, if you've ever spent any time in a region or area that is far, far away from America, you begin to realize that we have a lot of culture inside of our American society. And India, for me, is the furthest I've ever been away from home, and I quickly realized that there are a lot of differences, whether that's food or language or just things that you enjoy doing, there are many cultural differences. Uh, for example, when we arrived in India, uh, we were treated like kings. Uh, they had people waiting for us. We had uh, multiple vehicles that were uh, just taking us all throughout the region or in, in area. And when we arrived in this building and space, uh, everybody was there before we got there. They were all sitting and waiting for our arrival. It was literally about 100 degrees in this room, all right? warmer than it is here in church, and we walk into the room and everybody stands up, and they put us in the front area, and they move the one AC unit, which was the size of like a refrigerator, and they place it right next to us with this cold air blowing on us. And then they crown us or lay us with these beautiful flowers, and they just are listening to every word that is spoken. Now, I'm not advocating that like, this is what I'm hoping that we get to as a church on Sunday morning, all right? But it was culturally so different. And I remember as we were discussing, like, what in the world are we going to go teach a group of people in India? 
how in the world is this even going to work? I mean, language-wise, there's a huge barrier. We came up with the idea of let's teach from the book of 1 Peter. And so the time came where it was my turn, like this, to stand up in front of a room of about 200 people, and I had the privilege of teaching from 1 Peter chapter 2, the words that Tiffany read for us this morning. And it was in that moment uh, that I had, and this happens sometimes, where I was able to teach something and then something bigger was going on. I was thinking and just something was mind-blowing in the background. Listen to these words here, and I'll explain this. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And in the midst of me sharing these words, like a sentence at a time and then it being translated, something just blew my mind. And it comes from this simple statement here. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What blew my mind was I had to travel 18 hours in the air to this very place. But in the midst of so many cultural differences, there was something that was deeper, that connected me, a white dude from Chicago, an American, with the people of India. That God's kingdom His citizenship doesn't have boundaries. That while we are here in a church, I love this picture. It's actually a church called the Invisible Church. Do you see the image here? That God's church doesn't have these boundaries. That it is throughout the world that the citizenship belongs. And that We are God's chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Because on one hand, in this moment, I recognize that I am a citizen to heaven. My citizenship is one with God that Jesus, as my Lord and Savior, gives me this holy nation that's not held by geographical boundaries. Yet, in the midst of this great realization, I also realized that I love America. Or I should say, America. And I love barbecues and fireworks, and I rooted on Joey Chestnut as he once again took home the yellow mustard title. Nobody said amen to that one. All right, but the American dream right there, right? Like in the midst of that, what I realized is that on one hand, I am a citizen to heaven, yet also I am a citizen of the United States of America. Consequently, I'm a dual citizen. 
Today, we're continuing on in our series called One Nation Under God, question mark. And in this series, what we're doing is we are jumping in to something that most people say you should never do, which is talking about religion and politics. And I think it's important for us to talk about these things to have a healthy understanding of the church's role and religion's role in the midst of American politics where we live today. And I want us to understand that there are boundaries that we have to come to agreement with for us to be healthy. Because if the church oversteps its boundaries, that becomes unhealthy. But if the church ignores its responsibility, that too is unhealthy. And last week, we talked about this concept of checking your heart. We looked at the words of Jesus and how Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 5 that blessed are the peacemakers, that you and I as the church should be salt and light to this world. And that means that we don't just fall into the traps of partisan politics, but we seek to be peacemakers in our world. Remember, we gave you three questions as well in the midst of some of these challenging conversations to ask. And I don't know if any of you guys used them this last week, but if you have no idea what I'm talking about, just listen to the podcast last week. Because what we're hoping for is that as we check our heart, we see people and not just policies. But here's the thing. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you proclaim to be a Christian, regardless of what nation you live in, I would argue that you too are a dual citizen. You have a citizenship in heaven, yet also a responsibility in this world. So the question then becomes, how in the world do I live as a dual citizen? How do I act in this world? Before I answer that, I want to talk about why this is so important. And and today, my hope is to give you a teaching that is a core teaching to this church and a core teaching to understanding this distinction in how church and state are supposed to work together. But first off, why does this matter? I would argue this that this matters, this conversation matters, because a poor understanding of uh, my dual citizenship leads me to either not caring about this world or not caring about the world that is to come, the hope that is promised in the scriptures. For example, sometimes I've heard people say, well, this really isn't my home. Heaven is my home. I'm just passing by this place and going on to the next. And if you read the scriptures, that's not a healthy understanding of what the scriptures proclaim and talk about. In fact, the Bible would say that we have a responsibility to seek the welfare of the very place that we are. Not saying I'm against littering, although it drives me insane, But that's an indication of that, no, your responsibility, our responsibility has responsibility here in this place as well. If we have a poor understanding of this doctrine or teaching, we won't care about this world or we'll fall onto the other end of the spectrum where maybe, hopefully you didn't wear this t-shirt to church today, it's 
I'm an American, not an American't. All right, not going to ask you to raise your hand if you have that T-shirt. But my point is this: is that for some of us, we have this understanding that America is the end goal, that this is heaven, that this is all that this is about. And that understanding also isn't what the scriptures teach and confess. But I'll say also this that we can have in our society as we wrestle with our dual citizenship, we can have this also harmful understanding that America has to be a Christian nation. And this too can lead us into some challenging places. Because think about it this way, Jesus himself, when he came into this world, didn't come and say, hey, I'm gonna be like the next king, gonna like rule this area and this political area. He didn't like all of a sudden start campaigning to become the big top dog. The Jesus movement is not about political power. Now, some other religions, like Islam in particular, that is a tenet of what they hold to and believe. But for Christians, it is not centered. Our primary purpose is not to turn America into a Christian nation. But we have dual citizenship, and we have responsibility. And I would argue, that when we have a healthy understanding of our dual citizenship, it shapes how we view church, shapes how we view politics, and it definitely shapes our role and responsibility in both of them. So this teaching that I want us to focus on this morning is something that is simply known as the two kingdoms. Just by show of hands, has anybody heard this language before? All right, maybe some of you. All right, the two kingdoms. This is what I mean by this, dual citizenship. It's a teaching of the church, something that I believe is so important for us to understand in our walk with Jesus, where what we recognize is that God is the ruler of all. And what God has done is he has established two kingdoms in this world. There is a left-hand kingdom and a right-hand kingdom. That in the left-hand kingdom, there is a temporal kingdom. Uh, the government that exists operates in this left-hand kingdom. And you can draw this out on your message notes if you'd like. Yet also, there's this right-hand kingdom. This, this space where God has promised that he is going to work in this world. Each kingdom has a peculiar sphere of responsibility and concern. The temporal deals with the present day affairs and interactions between different uh, creatures occupying God's world, and the spiritual kingdom focuses on the relationship between creatures and the creator God. And and it's important to understand that inside of this kingdom, and this might be hard to read, at the very bottom there, is that this will all be fulfilled. This will all be put back together when Jesus comes back. That this will be restored. It's not perfect as is right now. If you think the church is perfect, 
Go talk to my wife after church, and she will be the first to tell you that Pastor Dave is not that great, all right? And if you think the government is perfect, you have not spent any time in government, all right? Because we recognize that there are imperfections that are going on in our world, and they will be put back together. But what the Bible teaches is that God has decided that he's going to use these two institutions to work in this world. But get a little more detail here. In the left-hand kingdom, we read that, or we understand that God has said that he is going to work through civil authorities, that the government is the responsible institution that the way the government works is that it gives us laws. That's how we function as a society in this temporal realm. The purpose of these laws that are given are given so that we create a culture that restrains evil. It creates an environment of safety and peace. The primary role of our government is for there to be justice and to be a right-functioning nation. And when a government is operating well, not to say that that always happens, but when a government is operating well, it works towards peace for all people. Not just for some, but for all. And as I just said, because of the people involved, that doesn't necessarily always happen. But that's what God desires for government to do, is to function for justice for all. Yet at the same time, looking at the right-hand kingdom, the primary institution of how God is working is through the church. The church is the responsible institution. And its power is not the law. Sometimes the church messes this up all the time. The church is more known about like silly regulations and rules. Like you can't swear and be in church. Not that I'm saying that you should come and do that, all right? Or that you can't wear shorts at church, all right? Or something like that. But the power of the church comes in the gospel, the good news of Jesus. In fact, that's why every single week, when you are here at this church, the promise is that you're going to hear the gospel proclaimed. So get ready. Here's the good news. Jesus came into this world and he took on flesh. He died on a cross and he rose again from the dead. That is good news. Somebody say amen to that. And that's what the church has. That's the message that we proclaim, and what we bring to this world, only because what God has given to us first. And it means that we use love and forgiveness to change hearts and lives, that we aim at being made right with God, that the church's function is our relationship with God and people. And its goal is a full restoration of creation, that it delivers peace now in this world, yet also to come, the world that is known as heaven. 
And this will all be put back together at the return of Jesus. Simply to break this down, the right hand is that you are a citizen to heaven because of Jesus, because of what he has done. He gives you a new identity. Yet also in the left hand, you have a responsibility to this world in the very relationships that we have in these walls, yet also outside of these walls. And what that also means is that the church does not marshal military forces. It's not the church's responsibility. And it's also not the government's responsibility to give you Holy Communion. There are roles and responsibilities that these two kingdoms have. I think of it like this. Imagine um, if you are not feeling well. You've had a cough now for like four days. And you're starting to just like, man, you're losing your energy and all sorts of stuff like that. And you hop in your car and you drive down to your mechanic. Park the car in like right outside of the garage. You're waiting in the little lobby and your mechanic comes out and he says to you, hey, what can I do? How can I help you? And you begin to tell them, well, um, I have this really terrible cough and it's been going on for like four days now. I really need some help. Obviously, you would recognize that that doesn't make any sense, right? Your mechanic would be like, okay, does your car have like a problem with the exhaust that is causing the cough, right? There would be a disconnect there because what happens is that we, sent, we, we tend to have the problem of going to the wrong places for answers. We go to the wrong places for for the right answers. And that's why we need to understand the responsibilities that God has put into place in these two kingdoms of the right hand and the left hand. But, this is really important. I hope you see the distinction between the two. Yet often, what you might be thinking right now is like, well, is he just talking about like separation of church and state? that these things shouldn't like go together at all? That like we shouldn't even talk about politics or politics shouldn't even talk about religion? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there needs to be a distinction of how these things function, and how they operate, and the means of how they operate. Yet, they're not created to bring divorce, but when done well in their right functions, they complement each other. They encourage each other. They exhort the other to do well with what they have been tasked to do. That when the church functions at its best, it will also be engaged in the left-hand kingdom. And that needs to be understood. To run with the metaphor maybe a little bit longer, a good mechanic, when presented with that perplexity of somebody coming forward and saying they have a cough, wouldn't just stop and say, hey, I'm a mechanic, you're in the wrong place, hey, 
goes somewhere else. But a good mechanic would then lead that person to the right place and point them to a good doctor that would get them in the right area and spot. And that's why I love this quote, and if you're looking for some reading around this topic, I would recommend uh, this book in certainly many places of it, a book called Resident Aliens, which is just a wonderful title by a guy named Stanley Hauerwas. He says this, the political task of Christians is to be the church rather than to transform the world. And what he means by that is that the church needs to understand its responsibility inside this world. And too often we get lost in all of the political things that can happen in making America into this Christian nation. But that can become challenging because they operate in different functions and ways. The church should be the church. And the church should serve each other. See, when we do this well, when we understand these two kingdoms at play, this will lead us not to neglect this world or shun this world, but it will lead us into committed service toward the state and all of creation. Because as a Christian, you have been called to serve other Christians. But as a Christian, you have also been called to serve atheists, to serve the rich and to serve the poor, to serve the hot dog eating contest watcher and the person who is appalled by the fact that 72 hot dogs were consumed on July 4th. For even the anti-Americans, You are called to serve and be the church. It does not matter. We're called to serve others around us and not to do that just for political power or gain. That's not what the church should be about. To give another example of where we kind of mess this up, I've seen this happen um, in... uh, in younger people. Uh, I remember leading a group of kids to uh, summer mission trips. Uh, I used to uh, work for a church and was in charge of a bunch of high school kids. And every summer we would take them on some trip that was far, far away from home. And, um, and it was always a great learning experience and they would get uh, to out of their comfort zones and stuff like that and develop all these relationships. And One year we went out to a place called Steubenville, Ohio, which is just outside of Pittsburgh. And we had this great trip um, with a group of kids from Knoxville, Tennessee, which is where we were living and working at the time. And uh, and we served this community by painting some houses. We put on a VBS. It was just a really wonderful time. And I remember coming back to Knoxville and like the next week after all that had happened, a couple of the kids came to me and was like, man, I wish we were still in Steubenville. I wish we were still serving people. I wish we still could go and do those very things. And I looked at them kind of cross-eyed, like, what do you mean? You get to do that every single day. You don't have to go to India to go serve somebody but you have a place and a responsibility in the various 
callings that God has given you to serve the people that are around you. You have a job, a responsibility. And I think that the reason that we get this theology or understanding is that we think that when we go do something big, when we travel so far away, that really we're not doing that for those people. We're really doing this out of our love and service for God, which is silly and dumb. No, do something for your neighbor because they are your neighbor. Simply that. Jesus would say to Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And, and once you figure that out, I think you can graduate on. But I know in my own life, that's going to be a lifetime of learning how to love and serve the people around me and the various ways and callings that God has given me. That this is the responsibility of us as people in the spiritual realm, yet also in the temporal as well. So, so back to India, back to this place where I recognized and realized this dual citizenship that was in play. How in the world do we live as dual citizens? What are just those like simple, tangible, like what does this even look like? Well, I'll give you some principles here that we need to understand. That first, in the right-hand kingdom, in the church, what it looks like to be a dual citizen means that we worship. It means that we show up to church to, to be fed with, with God's word, to receive his grace and forgiveness. It means that as a part of the church, we don't just show up and like try to not talk to anybody, but it means that we connect with people as well, that we know that, that this life, the church, is more than just like Sundays at 10.30 to 11.45, but it's that I connect with people in the church and outside of the church, and I also serve in this world sharing the gospel, the good news, with all those around me. Yet in the left-hand kingdom, as a citizen of America, I have a responsibility. And one of the most important responsibilities that I have is to vote, to use my vote, because that is something that I can speak into as a citizen in this world. That means that I also serve my neighbor. And it's pretty intentional that serve is on both sides of these because these bleed over all the time. That I have a responsibility to care for those around me. And lastly, simple. Do your work well. Whatever God has called you to do, be the best at it. If that's as a student, then do your best as a student. If, if that's in the corporate world, do your best in that. And I don't mean cheat the system to try to make the most money possible. 
No, be ethical in how you do that as well. Do it well to the glory and honor because your citizenship isn't just of this world, but also is to heaven. I love how uh, this author says it this way, James Davidson Hunter. He has a great book. I would highly recommend this book. It is a deep read. Um, But he says, he has a whole section on this statement right here. And I love the summary of it. It's just simply this, to be faithfully present. Think about that for a second. To be faithfully present in this world. Presence requires that I am in spaces and places. It's not that I'm just hiding behind or not getting to know people, but I am present with the people that are around me, yet faithful to the citizenships that have been given to me as well. If you believe that Jesus is Lord, you are a dual citizen. God is working in these two kingdoms and realms promises to do so, and I pray that we would continue to be faithfully present in both of them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God who's working in this world, who promises to be present in very real ways in this, in this world. And God, I, I know that this conversation and topic can lead us down all sorts of trails. Yet, Lord, I also know that you stepped foot in the midst of some pretty tough political times. I pray, Lord, that we would have wisdom to love you and love our neighbors, to be faithfully present, to to know that your church is constantly providing good news and freedom for those who believe, yet also that we have a responsibility to care for this place too. May we wrestle with this, may we struggle with it, yet may we also find great joy knowing that that you're going to restore all things back to how they're supposed to be. Help us, Lord, to do that well. And may we be gracious with one another in the process, fighting for justice and fighting for the good news that promises hope and restoration of all. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.